Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. But before we get started with the show, I'd like to dedicate this show today to Truett Cathy, who died today, the founder of Chick-fil-A. There was a man in our nation who understood what it was to keep his priorities straight. Truett Cathy, a man of God, gave up billions of dollars by not being open on Sunday because he understood that Family was way more important than work. He understood that God came first, family came second, and then his job. And so he said, we're going to be closed on Sunday so that not only me, but also my employees, and now we're talking thousands and thousands of people across the globe, don't have to work on Sunday so they can spend time with their families. They can feel free to worship. And, and Truett Cathy, hats off to you. you know, he's in a better place today. He's walking down those pearly streets with our Heavenly Father, right alongside our, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's a man that was incredible, had a huge impact on hundreds of thousands of people. So this show, the I Work For Him show today, is dedicated to Truett Cathy. All right, today we have a very special guest that's called into the studio line, Carrie Wyatt Kent. I was made aware of Carrie's book, about two or three months ago, my wife Martha runs the bookstore, Carrie, as you know, we talked about on the phone, and, and she found out about your book and said, hey, this looks like a really good book, you should talk about this on the air, and so that's how we got connected. Carrie, welcome to the I Work For Him show. 
Jim, it is such a delight to be with you and your audience. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, I'm glad to have you here. Now, to my audience, if you want to call in today and ask Carrie any questions or just make a comment, uh, the call-in line is 855-265-2929. And, of course, we'll be giving away a bookstore gift card that you can use to buy Carrie's book from the Carrie's Christian Books and Gifts. We'll be doing that at the second uh, after uh, the quarter hour. Uh, but also, if you'd like to make a comment, go ahead and text in to the studio line, uh, 727-487-9863 if you want to text in a question for Carrie. Carrie, as I do for each and every show, I like to, that this is a basis for the conversation, just have my audience hear how Christ has impacted your life. So why don't you just share a, a quick testimony on what Christ has done for you? Oh, he's everything to me. I guess, you know, I came to Christ at a young age and um, went to Wheaton College, um, had some years of trying to figure out as all kids do, is this my parents' faith or my faith? And uh, that took some testing and some wandering, but God is faithful. He never left me. And um, and so he's just been uh, just the, the, the power that has kept me going in my whole life, and he's just he's my Lord and Savior. I'm so thankful for him. And as we get talking about your book, people are going to understand more of where you're coming from, it, it, because it is evident in your book how intimate your relationship is with our Heavenly Father. And, and that's what we're here to talk about, because it is this whole week, we're talking about the holy habits of a Christ follower. And it sounds like some really religious programming, and anybody that knows me knows that that's not really who I am. But what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to instill, though, are things that are absolutely key to how we're going to walk with the Lord. There are certain keys that have got to be part of it. So we're, we're talking today about rest. Because that was the first thing that God asked Adam and Eve to do after he created everything, and he created Adam and Eve, and then he said, okay, well, tomorrow, that's a day off. The next day we'll start working, but tomorrow's a day off. And, and that's the standard that he set, because rest is the, we, we all need to be recharged. Well, we're going to get into that conversation. But uh, And speaking of rest, Carrie, I'm going to put a little plug. Uh, last week, we had some very dear friends, uh, Barb and Chris Nagy, and we had sent out a Facebook request saying, hey, if anybody's got a place where we can go and escape for a few days, let us know. And Barb and Chris Nagy, with Chris's Carpet Service and Restoration, they uh, emailed Martha, their friends on Facebook, and said, hey, we've got, we've got a place you could stay for free if you and Jim want to go up there and do some planning and that's what we did all last week up in North Carolina we did some planning book reading I read 12 books to get a little bit caught up on my book reading uh, for the show wow. and but I wanted to say thank you very much Chris and Barb Nagy with Chris's Carpet Service and Restoration if you can find them online at chriscarpetservice.com I, I don't know what else to do with them I've got you know a thousand listeners so I'm, I'm maybe two thousand listeners I just want to tell them hey if you want your carpets clean give it to somebody who actually gave something to the show host Chris'sCarpetService.com. They do a fantastic job. Okay, so let's let's get talking about the book. When I read your book back in July, I knew that I had to start off this week talking and really start off this topic by talking with you. How did you come to write a book about resting? Well, actually, it was the second of two books on sort of this whole idea of how the speed of our lives and the hecticness of our lives impacts us spiritually. I had been, uh, I was a mother of young kids and realized ugh, I was an at-home mom that I was never at home. I was always driving or doing or volunteering or working. I was, um, and I realized that I hurry was going to hurt me and it was going to hurt my family. And I really sensed God really uh, 
calling me to slow down and simplify. I wrote a book called Breathe, um, which talks about slowing and simplifying and Sabbath. There was a lot of um, my readers really it really resonated with them this whole Sabbath thing, and they said, "How can I, how could I do this?" You know, and it's interesting how we frame the question. How do I do Sabbath? Which is <laughs> like an oxymoron, right? <laughs> because it, Sabbath is about not doing, not. Well, it, it, it is, but it, but you have to be intentional about it. Well, uh, let's just talk about because we've got a lot of moms listening today who have experienced exactly what you just described. We've got a lot of yeah. moms out there whose lives are nuts. And moms and dads, honestly. Yeah. Uh, because, yeah. <clears throat> you know, sports today, they, you know, they demand that people, you know, our kindergartners, they got to have practice five days a week and tournaments on weekends and you, you got to travel and you got to do this and that. What was it about your life that was, that, I mean, how many kids do you have? I don't remember. I have two children, um, and yeah, you know, I started hearing from my friends things that, oh, mom's here, um, are you going to sign your kids up for soccer? Are you going to get your kids in this? You know, if they don't start early, you know, then your chances for a college scholarship are, you know, you know or they're going to be behind, and none of us wants to deny our kids any advantage in life. Life feels very competitive, as you said, you know. Even in kindergarten, kids have way more practice and, and time on uh, doing a sport <laughs> than they ought to. And I, I thought, okay, how am I going to respond really to this peer pressure? And well, how am I going to set some boundaries when the kids are really small and make some decisions for, our, you know, and so our, we as a family talked about it and just decided, you know what, we're not... Sure, we can do these things. They're actually, I think sports are great for kids. Both my kids have played sports over the years um, at times, and I think they're a really healthy, uh, helpful thing. But all right, so we're going to come back. We're going to come back. <laughs> we're going to come back, and we're get deeper into that because I need people need to understand how you fought that peer pressure because that's something people don't hear about. We think about peer pressure in our teen years, not in our adult years. Before we get back to Carrie, of course, it's time to do our Carrie's Christian Books and Gifts books segment. Karis Christian Books and Gifts have been part of the Largo community for over 29 years. Located in the center of First Baptist Church of Indian Rocks on Ulmerton Road in Largo, their 2,400 square foot store is open to the public seven days a week. Check them out online at shopcaris.com. That's shop, C-H-A-R-I-S dot com. Be the first person to call into the studio line, 855-265-2929, and I'll send you a $15 gift card to Karis Christian Books and Gifts that you can use to buy the book we're highlighting today. And of course, the book we're highlighting today is the book by none other than author Carrie Wyatt Kent, Rest, Living in Sabbath Simplicity. Carrie Kent, Carrie Wyatt Kent, invites readers to rediscover the ancient practice of Sabbath in this practical and accessible book. Based on what Jesus taught about the Sabbath and how he practiced it, Kent explores six aspects of Sabbath as Christian spiritual practice, resting, reconnecting, revising, pausing, playing, and praying. Yes, that's the stuff that was pre-written for me. But let me just tell you, as I read this book, I was inspired to just be quiet and relax and sit down and to recognize that I do need to stop. I can't keep running seven days a week, 12 hours a day. And that's what this book is all about, why God intended for us to rest. So to win the gift card, call into the studio line, 855-265-2929. Remember, don't... Well, wow, Mike... I just blew that deal. I had a lot of fun, though. We're having a good time. I was on vacation last week. Remember, read the book. Don't wait for the movie. Read the book. Don't wait for the movie. Read the book. Don't wait for the movie. All 
right, call into the studio line 855-265-2929 to get your copy of Carrie's book with that gift card at Carrie's Christian Books and Gifts. And yes, I have to celebrate my weaknesses here on the radio because you know what? If you can't laugh at me, you have to laugh at yourself. So I'm just giving you somebody to laugh at. Okay, Carrie, I loved where you were going with this. I loved where you were going with life was crazy. Peer pressure. You were getting peer pressure from around the world in your world there in Chicago for people to say, hey, hey, have you signed your kids up for karate? Have you signed your kids up for gymnastics? How about soccer? How about football? How about track? And you said, wow, we need to figure out if this is really what we want to do. So what, what, what did that sound like? What did that conversation sound like? Because there's people listening today that need to be asking themselves these questions. Yeah, it was the conversation we had even with the kids. Um, part of it was one time we, I signed my son up for something, uh, Taekwondo, and he didn't like it, and I kept trying to push him, and, and he was only four. <laughs> he, <laughs> he finally told me, Mommy, they make me yell and hit, and I don't like to yell and hit. And I thought, I'm spending money, time, carpool, all this stuff to teach my sweet, gentle child to be more aggressive. <laughs> and I thought, something's wrong. What am I let? Who's driving this bus anyway? And I think that's something parents got to ask themselves. Who, who says you have to? Oh, I have to sign my child up for this. I have to sign my kid up for this. My son try, and I let my kids try lots of sports. One at a time, not 20 at a time. Sure, let them try things. Let them explore. Let them do some fun things, but don't give in to that pressure that says I've got to get them uh, achievement pressure. They've got to achieve. They've got to be not only in a sport, but the star of the team. Like, we had a conversation with our kids and just said, you know, we love doing things with friends and we love for you guys to be active, but we're going to just... we're going to have you do one sport at a time. And, and if you want to also do like an art thing, like piano, my daughter played piano, my son was very artistic and is uh, taking art classes. So just one at a time so that our, our life would be reasonable and, and not incredibly crazy and busy. Yeah, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to figure out who said it was okay. I mean, when did it change from letting our kids just play outside in the neighborhood to when we get home from work, now everybody's got to be running crazy and you can't ever have a free night a week. I mean, they've destroyed, literally these organizations, I think, have come together to destroy the family dinner, which is the I most... I think it's our culture, yeah. And that was another thing we did. We always tried to have family dinners and that, you know... Um, Sometimes we had to kind of flex the time or whatever because of, you know, my did let my daughter play uh, soccer. But it, they knew it was an important part of our lives. And, uh, you know, I think um, our culture, look at, you, you talk to people in the workplace. What's your workplace like compared to how your, your parents' workplace was when, mm. when you were growing up? The whole nine to five idea. Who works nine to five anymore? You know? <laughs> bankers. Oh yeah, they don't even. They're not even bankers yeah. do nine to five hours <laughs> right? anymore. It's terrible. We, we 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 don't have any boundaries on our work life. We have our you know our phone and we can get email and everything else on our phone. We our boundaries of work are expanding, and so it's pretty not surprising that our kids. Um, approach to kids' activities has taken a similar path yeah. you know, of the culture in general. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. And I think one of the most powerful things that my parents did is they made sure that every night we had dinner because that's the secret. If anybody wants to know the secret to raising normal children, he's have dinner together 
every night because that's where they can download. That's when they'll tell you stuff that they don't even realize they're telling you. That's when you can find out where they are in life. That's where you can find out whether they got a boyfriend or a girlfriend. That's how you can find out whether they're struggling in school. That's the place. That's the secret place that you find out stuff about your kids and you can use that to help guide them and mold them and it's it's almost impossible for single parents to get that dinner time because they have to work two jobs in order to make it work so but it is so that's and that's not a cut on single parents single parenthood is the absolute hardest job in the world but for those of you that don't have to be single parents and you're still married work at it have dinner together all right care we got to move on how was it rest when, when you started writing this book on rest what did resting mean to you you know, it didn't mean just living in a monastery or moving to, you know, the mountains somewhere and, you know, growing my own food and homeschooling the kids. Uh, my kids were in public school. My kids were in, they did activities. But it meant having a sanely paced life. It meant having a rhythm. Of There's times where, you know, we were active or busy, but then there was also, like you said, time around the dinner table um, together. And one day a week, it meant taking kind of unplugging and having a day set aside for family and church and and simply downtime. We, we try to build downtime, not just once a week even, but in, into each day to have each day have a same pace. And that's really, it doesn't mean just completely going off the grid. So when you say you had downtime each day, well, describe that for me, because that's something you hadn't told me before. So you had downtime each day. What, what did that look like? Yeah, I mean, part of it is they, you know, they had different things, um, you know, they had homework and those kind of things, they had activities, but, but that family meal thing that you talked about, that's kind of a, just a, a downtime where you're together um, and you can hear about their day. And I want to just tell parents who think, well, I can't do that because, and, and then we come up with excuses of why we can't, you know, and we would turn off the TV and just have time where they could read, even if it wasn't homework, you know, just time to read or do a puzzle or play a board game, um, you know, something that was more of a quieter activity. And you just said you just said my absolute favorite sentence in the whole world. Turn off the TV. In fact, I'd like everybody to get their shotguns out and shoot the TV shoot full the of TV. holes. Because, <laughs> because when you look at the degradation of our society, it all ranks down to when people stopped talking with each other and listening to the radio and talking with each other. They brought out the TV and they got mind-numbing images and then we started filling our minds with all kinds of garbage. And now today we let our kids watch stuff that was rated R when, you know, when we were kids and it's on TV at 7 o'clock at night. I mean, it just the degradation of our society has happened about TV and we use TV as a babysitter. I mean, come well, on. Right, and the problem with TV, I mean, some shows are educational, and some shows are, you know, Wait, have some positive things. But you However, say that, you say that though, but how many of those educational shows have an agenda today? They used to be well, educational. Today, I think yeah. they're educational with an agenda. Even if they didn't have an agenda, television is a passive medium where I just sit and absorb it. Whereas reading a book, even though it might look the same, I'm sitting there. I'm engaging my imagination. I'm thinking. I'm understanding words. I'm. I'm at the same time. I'm seeing the words. I'm also imagining the characters of the scene or whatever. That takes a lot more active um, activity of my mind, and so um, that's I think important. And I th- one thing I want to say too is my husband works as a realtor. Yeah, I was going to bring he that sometimes up. Sometimes wasn't home for dinner, and I think a lot of times people would say, "Well, my husband." not home for dinner so we can't have family meals. Well, 
yeah, you can because, you know, like you pointed out, single parents or whatever. We always had family meals, which my husband would join us when he could, but if he had, if that was when he was going to, you know, realtors don't get paid unless they sell a house. So if he had to sell people a house after, after they were done working in the evening, you know, he would try to make it. But if he couldn't, that didn't stop me from gathering kids around the table and, put, you know, putting a meal on the table. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be, you know, but it gather with whoever is there, right. you know. Now, what I want to do, when we come back at the, after the bottom of the half hour, I, I want to really dig deep into the, the word Sabbath. But just really quickly, describe Sabbath to me. Sabbath is just taking a day of rest. It's a day to focus completely on loving God and loving others. But what's interesting, though, you, in taking that day of loving God and loving others and being quiet, it wasn't your Sunday. It was your Saturday. Because Sunday was crazy busy with church. Isn't that what I understood from our conversation? That the Sabbath wasn't your Sunday. You chose a different day of the week to be quiet. No, I, 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 what I did was started on Saturday night, because the Bible talks about, um, in the Genesis uh, account of the creation, uh, there was evening and morning the first day, evening. And so the, in the biblical tradition, he, the day starts at sundown, Got not sun up. So it would go from sundown Saturday to sundown Sunday. So it included church, but also included time. And I was not—I was purposely not in on committees and other things on Sunday that would take me away from my family. I was—I was more. That's, that's fantastic. I love that. I love that. So they started Saturday night. All right, when we come back, yeah. I want to talk about why did God choose to make rest the first day of the week? All right, we're talking about her book, an excellent book called Rest, Living in Sabbath Simplicity. If you want to participate in today's discussion, text us during the show, 727-487-9863, 727-487-9863. And if you don't have that number plugged into your phone, go online to our Facebook page, like us on Facebook, and Martha's got the phone phone numbers, a contact phone number, so you got those, so you can speed dial those things in while we're on the air, Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, and starting on October 1st, we'll add Wednesdays. And the Karis Christian Books and Gifts gift card is still available, 855-265-2929, 855-265-2929. Carrie Wyatt-Kent, welcome back to the I Work For Him show. Thanks, Jim. Hey, Carrie, to add a little bit of uh, excitement to the show, would, would you be willing to throw in, send in a copy of your book directly to somebody out of, out of Illinois, right down here to Florida? I'd love to do that. That'd be great. Okay, so if you call in right now, not only will you get the gift card, you will get a copy of Carrie Wyatt Kent's book, Rest, Living in Sabbath Simplicity, 855-265-2929. Sorry about that, Carrie. My mom always told me never put people on the spot, but sorry. Okay, so (laughs) give me me your opinion (laughs) on why you think God put rest as the first day of the week as opposed to the last day of the week. I love this question. Um, if somebody gives you something before you do any work, is it something you earn or is it a gift? It's a gift. Right. Sabbath is a gift. It's really a picture of grace. We don't get to take a day off after we've worked all week. We get a gift of a day of rest, a day with God, before we do anything. And in a way, it's to me, it's a picture of grace. It's not earned. It's a gift. 
And, and uh, let me just, and I'm going to add some people's perspective because, you know, a lot of people don't, they're like, well, Jim, what do you mean? It, you know, it's, it's Sunday. So it's after Saturday and Sunday. They're after we work for a week. And like, no, okay. So when God created the earth, he created everything. First, he created the you know light. Then he got the moon and the stars and the, and the earth. And then he created the birds in the sea and the bird, excuse me, the birds in the sea. They're, they're a new kind. We haven't found those yet. The, the fish <laughs> in the sea and the birds in the air. Then he created the land animals and then he created Adam and Eve. And then on the seventh day, he rested. So the, the day after he created Adam and Eve, their first full day on the earth, it was a rest day. It wasn't their first day to cultivate the garden. It wasn't that their first day was rest. And that's where and I... And it was the day, it was before the fall. So it was a day of community, too. That's what I love. It was, they were together. They, they hung out together. He didn't send them to their rooms to have quiet time alone. They, they got to be with God. I love that part. So we talked, you know, in the last half hour about how you felt the peer pressure to uh, perform, to get your kids involved in everything. And you and your husband just decided, nah, and along with your kids, that that's not the kind of life you guys wanted. But and so you decided to implement this Sabbath observation in your family. It started Saturday night and went through Sunday night. And, and it was a time of your family really focusing on not being crazy, not, you know, just downtime that was together to, to kind of give you a sanely paced life, as you put it, a build in a rhythm. But did you and your husband, were you guys perfect at keeping the Sabbath? Oh, heavens no. <laughs> oh, heavens no. You know, we, we, like I said, my husband's a realtor. So there were times where he took, he ended up taking Mondays off because we had to work on Sundays. But we found it challenged us, our mistakes challenged us to set better boundaries. I write about some of that in my book, and I won't go into it right now. But but the mistakes we made of doing it imperfectly um, challenged us to grow. Well, what do you mean? I mean, just give me some examples of the mistakes, some of the mistakes that you guys made. Well, you know, it's, it's easy to just let people tell you, you know, I need to see you. I need an appointment. And uh, there was one summer where my husband really didn't get many Sundays off. And I looked at him and said, well, aren't you your own boss? Don't you work for yourself? Who's going to give you a day off? And so um, he, he, we love to go sailing, and so he thinks to go sailing very much. His family has a place. So the next summer, the, you know, we learned some of those things. Is the next summer we we took at least you know usually Sundays, but at least one day a weekend, and went and visited his family and and went sailing. And kind of the unexpected blessing in that I tell a little more about in my book is that at the end of that summer. Um, his brother, his younger brother, passed away unexpectedly at age 34. Mm. And we were so thankful that we had taken the Sabbath that summer and taken a, a day's weekend to be with family because he got to spend time with his brother. And we had no idea that that was going to happen. And I think when you uh, give God, it's kind of almost like when we give up our finances. When we give to God, he gives back to us. And we... And our kids had the memories of being with uh, Tom that summer, not knowing that it was his last. And so, yeah, we might have, he could have sold a few more houses, but we wouldn't trade those houses for any of those days that we had with Tom. No, because you'd never get them, yeah, you'd never get them back. And and I want, you know, we're talking, we've got Florida listeners, we've got some spread all over the country, but today we've got mostly Florida listeners and those that you've invited up there. But Carrie, you're from Chicago, which is why it was so important that you sailed in the summertime because it's yes. not, <laughs> it's not yeah lake michigan is not a real pleasant place october through april to be yeah. sailing 
So yeah, and, although the inland lakes they have ice boating, which is a sailboat on ice skates. Oh no, I, I've seen it. That's crazy. incredible. I grew up in Minnesota, so it, you know we okay, actually you know had ice. We had ice way more than you guys did in Chicago, but it's still, it's not a you know ice. Yeah, but yeah, but ice sailing not near as relaxing as no. water sailing. <laughs> you know, I I don't ice sail. Yeah, I ice, ice sailing <laughs> is me. like down here would be like dirt biking through the Everglades. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, so you you weren't perfect at keeping it. So that's why I wanted people to find out. Okay, listen, uh, keep in mind that Carrie's husband was a residential realtor. And everybody yeah. knows the lies. And listen, we live in a, in a fast growing area. You know. The county, we, the Pinellas County, which is one of the counties here in Tampa Bay, the, the real estate market is what drove the recession here because it drove it up. You know, real estate prices went up like 300% in 10 years here. Okay. And then, of course, wow. they went back down almost all of that, all in about six months. Uh, but, you know, we can thank many different people for that on both sides of the aisle and around the world. But, so, but everybody understands what realtors, there was a ton of realtors around here. And so they understand yeah. well, how destructive that is to family. Okay, so... You said that you started your Sabbath on Saturday night and uh, kept that through Sunday night. What did that look like? Describe what your schedule looked like. Well, you can't just screech to a halt. And so uh, part of Saturday was spent cleaning up the house and kind of getting ready, making sure there was groceries in the house, making sure, you know, the errands got done and the things happened on, on Saturday so that. And one of the keys for me as a mom was delegation, was inviting sort of an obligatory participation in cleaning up, in helping with the laundry, in helping with the cooking. You know, I think a lot of times women feel like they can't do so because it feels like more work to them. Sure. Right? Hey, we've got a caller. Deborah's on the line, and she's got a question for you, Carrie. Can we, can we take that call? Would that be okay? That's great. That's oh, great. Okay, Deborah, go ahead. Hi, Carrie. Thank you. Hi, Deborah. We have a loved nephew and his wife and three small children in another part of the country. And mm-hmm. you said a magic word that really piqued my interest. And I'd love for you to elaborate, if you would, please. Because the nine-year-old tends to be a little overweight, so they've got her enrolled in all sorts of you know, sports for the exercise, for, for the good intentions. Then they have a middle child that had some difficulty making friends, so now they've got involved in sports because he loves sports, and that's a way of him having friends and being part of the team. So I'd love to hear, I'm going to get the book for for both of them. They're going to love this. But a little bit more about that magic boundary that you mentioned, because they want, you know, they're first, you know, these are first children, you know, they, they want to be good parents, but how do they set those boundaries to, you know, to, to walk that line gracefully. All right, yeah, De- Deborah, thanks for calling in. Uh, Carrie, I'm going to have you go ahead and answer that question. We'll stretch out the, the break here a little bit. Okay, great. All right. Uh, I think just including the kids and say, hey, you know, you might be able to handle being in four sports or whatever, but it, it impacts the family. Whoever, if you've got a, you know, a little one who's riding along in the carpool, and let the kids say you can do whatever sports you want we want you to do a sport because that's a healthy habit but you know pick one and stick with it for the, the season or whatever if you like it you can do it again if you don't you could try something else next summer or next fall not at the same time i think 
we think we, we want to do it all and have it all, all at once. And uh, teaching our kids delayed gratification, teaching them, okay, you can do a sport. And I, my kids both play sports. The whole uh, lie of, you know, your kid's not going to be able to make the high school team if he doesn't play when he's four, that's a lie. <laughs> and I think that's something. It is. My son is, is now 18. He started playing volleyball when he got to high school, and he had scholarship offers. So he, he started in high school, not at five, because, first of all, it's really hard to play volleyball when you're five. It's a sport that doesn't start early, thank goodness. But, but he tried to play other sports and didn't like any of them. He just decided he wasn't an athlete until, you know, all of a sudden, <laughs> he figured out he found his thing later on in life. So when we come back from the break, Carrie, what I really want you to do is I really would love for you to expand on what keeping Sabbath meant to you and your family? Because you shared with me on the phone when we did a pre-interview how much that meant. So I, wa- I want you to share about that. Carrie, we got to get right back into this. We're running out of time. I really wanted you to answer this question that I asked right before the break. Why did resting on the, What did resting on the Sabbath mean to you and your family? How did your kids comment about this? What did they give you for feedback? Oh my gosh, they loved it because it was a day when I turned off the computer. I was available to them I was interruptible and I think that's one of the most loving things we can sometimes be is you know not too busy to answer their questions or give them a hug my kids are older now my daughter's 20 and she sent me a birthday letter uh, a few uh, months ago and said I just want to thank you for some things including the thing we talked about earlier not too much television and also uh, learn she thanked me for having a Sabbath in our family and teaching her that that value and showing her how to do it. Um, and it's just so simple, and it changes as your kids go in different stages and ages, but um, it impacted us as a family to draw us closer. And my kids now live that, and that's very gratifying. Well, and one of the reasons, you know, this is a, a show on trying to convince Christian business owners to recognize that their workplace is their mission field and, and, and what to do with that. And, and people are probably going, Jim, why is the I Work For Him show talking about rest? Like, well, here's the deal. Most people who own Christian businesses, actually, most business owners, period, doesn't matter whether they're a Christ follower or not, work way too much. They never stop. They never take a break. They work seven days a week, 365 days a year. They're working 12-hour days. They're exhausted, and they think if they ever take a rest, they'll never get it all done, when in fact, that's wrong. It's the opposite of true. When you work all the time, you start to lose productivity and, and where you maybe worked at, you know, high productivity working 60 hours a week. When you start working 70 hours a week, you're, you're working maybe at 80% efficiency, so you might as well go back to working 60 hours a week. But it, even exactly. 60 hours a week for 10 years, you're working at 50% efficiency. You just can't keep going and going and going. It doesn't work that way. So how practically speaking, that for our listeners that are going, how in the world do I even get started with trying to build in some rest into our schedules? Just give us some ideas on things that they can practically do. You know, if somebody's a workaholic and they feel like, you know, how am I going to do this? It's really a trust issue, Jim, I think. And and take small steps. Well, wait, wait, wait. You, well, can't, you can't go on past that. You can't go. It's a trust issue. But who, who are you talking about? When you talk about trust issue, what are you talking about? Do you trust God to help to provide enough to take six days worth of work? and make it equal seven days of provision. Are you trusting God for that miracle every week? That if I work six days, um, you know, maybe five days in the office and one day running around, like, you know, getting things done at home. If I take a day off, 
do I trust that God will provide? And you can say, I trust God, but if you're always working, you, you're you not really trusting, you're not living out that trust. So you're saying it's really the same concept as tithing, that you know the, 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 the tithing concept or the tithing principle is 100% minus 10%. It still equals 100%. So you're trusting God that you can give him back 10%. So you put your faith in him. When you give him back that 10%, that what you have left is still going to be 100% of what you need. So what you're saying is that if I give God back a day, which he built it into the schedule, if I give him back a day, that I'm going to have plenty of time to get done what I need to get done, and my relationships will be more rewarding. Is that what you're saying? For your relationships with God and with other people, yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. And... I own my own business. I uh, have written, you know, dozens of books. I have dozens of freelance clients. I am more productive on Mondays than any other day of the week, and I think God takes the hours that I give him and gives it back to me multiplied. And, you know, I had one year where I talked about a real estate crash. I ended up writing four books, like either co-writing or writing four books and dozens of articles. I never missed taking a Sunday off. Mm. I still got an incredible amount of work done, and I think God gives us that. He gives us back that when we trust Him with it, just like Tide. Mm. Alright, so tell, let's talk about, I don't like to go to negative, yeah, I, I'm a glass half empty guy a lot of times, so I, I want to ask this question. What are the symptoms of a family that doesn't rest? What does it look like? Your friends that never rest, what do their families look like? What do their marriages look like? You know, I, I think it's it's interesting. People are like, oh, I just got to get through this. I'll just get to this point. Like, you know, in May or December, the two busiest months for moms and families, um, I just get through this. Then it'll be, then it'll be better, but it never gets better. And it causes stress in the relationships. Uh, you know, the kids are exhausted and sometimes, you know, they're not connected with you. You're just their chauffeur. <laughs> you know, you're driving them from one thing to another. And you can spend quality time in the car. That's possible. But but most of the time they got their headphones in or they're texting their yeah. friends. So it's not quality time. Exactly. Exactly. And one of the best things that a kid can learn is how to manage a little bit of unstructured time and let them figure it out. You know, <laughs> let them, uh, okay, I'm bored. Well, you have a problem. You can solve your problem. What do you think you should do? You know, you, why don't you go? I don't want to do. I, I tell her story in the book. Um, she, she would tell her kids when they would say, I'm bored, uh, especially on a Sunday. Go to your closet that has all your toys and go stare at it for five minutes and then come back and let me know if you're still bored. <laughs> they would learn how to go, Oh, I can solve my own problem. I mean, just having downtime is so vital to children's development. It is. And one of the things you just said, I love what you just said about the unstructured time, because I've got a friend who's a first grade teacher, and she goes, they, when, you know, 20 years ago, when you you had free time, kids would just go off and play, then they'd go in the corner, they do whatever they were doing. You know, I would always, you know, find the cutest girl in the class and hang out with her in a corner or something like that. (laughs) But today, these kids... And that is absolute chaos because they have no idea what to do with unstructured time because they're so used to being entertained or, or, or occupied of their mind all the time. All right, so as an encouragement to, to men and women out there, to moms and dads the, that love the idea of setting aside the day of rest but have no idea how to start, what's one thing, the first thing they can do? That, you know, the, just, let's leave them with one practical thing, the thing they can start with today. 
you know what? I say the best thing to do, and I talk about this in my book, pick one thing that you love and say, I'm going to do that on Sunday. Maybe it's go for a walk, maybe it's, you know, whatever. One thing you love, and one thing that you just don't really like to do, don't do it. Take a rest from something you don't like to do. You know, if, if you love doing laundry... <laughs> That's weird. But if you, I don't like doing laundry, so I give myself the freedom not to do laundry on Sunday. So just start with, don't even worry about the whole day. One thing. One thing I love, do it. One thing I don't love, don't do it. And that's what my wife and I had to do. We had to, uh, uh, Sundays were always, she works on Sundays because she runs a Christian bookstore. It's in, involved in the sure. middle of a church. And so she was working until 2 o'clock, and I said, we have got to set aside. The minute you're home, that's, we always go to the beach on Sunday afternoons. Always go to the beach, read a book. I sit under the shade. She bakes in the sun. But it's a no compromise time. That's what we do. Of course, we always take a nap first because that's also no compromise. All right. This has been a fantastic conversation. I, and honestly, we, we barely covered anything we really wanted to cover today. So if you want to get a copy of today's book, you just need to call into the studio line, 855-265-2929. Mike, we didn't give it away yet, did we? All right. 855-265-2929. While I'm closing out, you could still call in. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.